everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2, and today's podcast, we have Garrett Ernie. Uh, Garrett is the founder of Poppy's Tech Aid. Um, he's a uh, marketing ops consultant, and uh, today we're going to be covering a you know pretty to- hot topic. Uh, we've talked about a little bit over the past um, episodes, like with Sarah around hiring marketing ops, but today... Garrett's going to help us take us through what his experience like was with the um, like interview process and looking for a job um, in this crazy market. And so really, this will be a chance for everyone to get insight into what the market is like right now. But also for those of you who are hiring in marketing ops, give you some tips for actually being able to hire in this crazy market. So welcome to the podcast, Garrett. Thanks so much, Chrissy. Um, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I've watched several episodes before and love what CS2 is doing and love this podcast. So thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, appreciate it. Um, so we always start the podcast with everyone's kind of like background story, like their origin mm-hmm. story of how they got into operations, because it's always different for folks. So um, if you could just talk us through how did you end up to where you are today? Yeah, love love that. Um, told that story a, a million times and could tell it a million more. So it wasn't, you know, kind of a happy accident, if you will. So I was a, you know, marketing major in college um, and struggling to know what that even meant or what to do with it. And this is, you know, 2012. And I was blessed enough to find a um, alumni um, to hire me at a rather large marketing firm called Hart Hanks um, at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was my first internship, if you will, an introduction to marketing. And they sat us all down like the first day, you know, I'm 21, whatever it is, years old. And they're like, okay, what, what do you want to do? And the choices were, you know, creative, which I knew wasn't me. Um, um, there was content, which I knew wasn't me. And there was data and analytics. Um, and that's the route that was a no brainer kind of out default, but also I had a severe interest in the idea of big data, um, and was pretty good with Excel already and understood pivot tables and VLOOKUPs and all that. So anyways, um, that, that summer turned into a big research project, social media audit for a large car dealer. Um, and you know, so it helped me understand, you know, um, a lot of different things, obviously being the office environment, starting off. Um, with working directly with VP of marketing players on the direct and it had a huge analytics team, um, data analytics teams, things like that. But that really kicked me off in this idea. So, okay, like this can not just be, um, you know, something I did this summer. This can be a career if I really work at it. And while not flashy, nobody dreams of becoming a marketing operations expert um, when they're a little boy or girl. Um, but, you know, um, it, it's, you know, a good career and, you know, a, a lucrative one of you player, right? So um, from that point on, you know, graduated college, um, used the internship to get like a $35,000 a year job as a marketing operations associate at a media publisher. Um, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, so I was in Princeton, New, Ter- New Jersey. And I don't know if I've ever worked so hard in my life, you know, um, to be honest, and you know, it was more or less um, creating lead gen reports um, for our various clients. So, you know, how it worked, a media publisher, a, um, let's say a CrowdStrike or somebody would come to us um, and say, we have this white paper we want, you know, on your site um, because, you know, everybody came to our site for security breach information and how to stop it and, you know, 
uh, technology to buy and things like that. So, you know, just the lead gen reports for those security vendors were on a, sometimes on a daily or weekly basis. Um, but they also sat me down at that time and said, here's Marketo. And, you know, I had no idea what Marketo was or what it did. Um, I hadn't really heard of marketing automation term, even past college internship, anything of that nature. <clears throat> so that's when it really all changes in the sense that, okay, you know, I'm managing at way too young and not knowing what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm drilling into the HTML of emails, I'm flowing copy, I'm creating lists, you know, learning all the fields and the field types and, you know, starting pretty basic stuff, right? But important to lay the groundwork and um, managing programs, campaigns, you know, we had different, uh, we had clients all over the world. So managing that time differences and scheduling. So it was early in my career, but um, really a blessing in disguise to get that experience. Um, and that kind of elevated me to my next step, which it was great, but I want to be closer to Philadelphia where I moved to. So I took a job uh, as a marketing analyst, I think we called it, but similar type of role, but um, they had HubSpot at the time. Mm. And I was fully aware, you know, I was not a HubSpot expert and dove into that, um, assumingly thinking it was similar, which it was to an extent, sure, but we all know how different and similar they are. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was a, you know, a, a great experience um, for three months. And then, you know, the CEO or somebody, decides to pull the rug out and say, oh, I think we should switch to Pardot where I have a buddy, you know, and, you know, yeah. So becomes, okay, well, that's also a blessing in disguise at a younger age and uh, being in or being in MOPS early in your career. Um, you see the not only the what it takes to implement and migrate mm-hmm. to um, a new tool, but also what it takes to sunset the old one and break up, if you will, and make sure you're grabbing the right things and not making the same mistakes. Um, and, you know, organization and key. And, you know, this time, are you going to do it right with naming conventions, folders? So it gives you a fresh chance. And really to get to see all that, you know, I'm in my mid-20s at this point. was really great. So I got enough with HubSpot to say, okay, I can, you know, I can definitely build my way up with this. I'm no expert by means. And then it was on the Pardot land, which, you know, for two years or so, I was the in-house admin at a know, a pretty big company that was bought out by JP Morgan a few years after I left. So it was a bigger role with more money thrown around and more a whole marketing team, if you will, you know, probably too many. um, If you, you know, if if we're all looking at it, you know, five, seven years down the line. But um, so I managed part, you know, top to bottom, if you will. um, And, and of course, coming with that, that includes like talking to a lot of key players and, different departments and the emails they want to get out. So it was all, I was all the email management, um, making sure pushing the Salesforce campaigns, you know, everybody's getting the alerts. Um, we did a lot, a ton of sales reps in this particular instance. So, you know, customizing their signatures as assigned users and things of that nature. So, and then really got crazy with, you know, dynamic content, um, and like regional, you know, segmentation, things of that nature, um, and product segmentation, but, it was just, you know, really, so now I'm 26 and I have pretty, albeit brief, a decent amount of experience in HubSpot, Pardot, and Marketo, which yeah, I even I knew. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And it's like, okay, even I know these are the big players. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, not thrilled and I'm not saying you have to know what you do when you're 25, but I'm like, I'm going to do this. 
you know, whether um, because I've had this background and fell into it in this way. So anyways, this, the speed the story up, I'm saying, let's take these talents agency side. Um, I feel like I can get more out of it. I've heard, I never worked agency before, but it's, you know, 2000, late 2017. And I take a, a job at Square Two Marketing right outside of Philadelphia. And that's where I met Carrie Baldwin and some great other friends and um, colleagues and mentors I've, I've uh, known for the past five, six years now. But anyways, it starts off, you know, hit the ground running in agency life, right? I was a marketing operations consultant. Um, it was a HubSpot shop, this one. But, um, you know, we did have a few Marketo and Pardot clients trickle in, you know. So I handled um, all three, you know, again, uh, I think the versatility was big. I was definitely under my pricing myself at that time, but just happy to be out of the in-house role. Still making more than the in-house role, but definitely under pricing probably my skills. Um, but I loved it in a sense. It was faster paced. I wasn't sitting around. I wasn't waiting as much. Um, waiting on clients, sure, is part of you know um, life. But um, I wasn't waiting on my co- colleague in the cubicle next to me, like who I could see just right there, not writing the email I needed. Or it, So take some frustration out of it, for mm-hmm. sure, um, for, for a person, um, you know, my type, I guess. So anyways, um, that worked out great. I met a lot of really great people who are still there today at Square Two, but it, I decided to follow my boss um, and, and carry, you know, take Carrie's advice and, you know, move elsewhere and um, don't regret that at all. So that's when I moved on an East Coast kid in New Jersey still to um, spear marketing out in California. Um, so adjusted to the time difference type and that, you know, is still dealing with this today. And it's part of part of our everyday work environment, really. Yeah. So especially coast to coast, um, you know, I actually have a client in the UK even. So it's become global almost now. Um, yeah. So anyways, at Spear, you know, another another great agency, um, you know, a lot of good, good friends and people spent two plus years there. Um, same type of role. Um, they were more of a Marketo shop more focused than I took on mostly at, in the beginning, at least part of the few HubSpot clients they had, and then just transitioned into towards the end, mostly Marketo work. And that was good in a way too, because I didn't want to promote myself as just a part of HubSpot person. Cause I started with Marketo and it just like the path for a couple of years took me away from Marketo uh, mostly. And then, you know, you came back to it at the end and, you realize that a lot of enterprise companies use Marketo. So there's, there's some money there um, for sure. Um, so it was great to have, you know, I'm certified in all three, right? Um, HubSpot to the best you can be certified, but part I consultant, Mark, um, MCE, you know, I know I could go further in that Marketo, but I have this basis and I say, all right, well, you know, what's next in my career? I'm pretty not bored, but I've kind of proven I can do this consultant thing whether it be on the side, um, full-time freelancer, whether it be, you know, for an agency. So um, Carrie, you know, um, the huge mentor and blessing she was to me and Dana Harder, um, also co-owner of Unreal Digital Group, they offered me the director of MarTech job. Um, And they were growing Um, at the time. I think there were like five to six people. Um, I did a lot of consulting work for them on the side, MOPS related. So it was a natural fit um, to, you know, just step into that role. And it was great. Um, I needed that experience. Um, I was, you know, 
still too junior in the other roles to talk to people such as yourselves, um, VPs of marketing, directors of MarTech, um, directors of sales, um, to be in that room and actually understand what those folks go through on a daily basis and yeah. have it, how it all re- relates back to revenue um, and um, talk and just having those conversations and meeting those types of people. The 2021 was a big year for me in the director of MarTech role. And I loved it. I really did. And having a small team, we grew, you know, I grew out my team to like, you know, three folks, um, four folks. Um, and they were great. And they were, you know, and they're still in the process of growing and, you know, building out their MOPS careers. Um, and I hope they have good things to say about me because I have great things to say about them. But um, it just became what happens in that type of role um, at an agency. And, um, and what happened to me, at least, is it became I was trying to wear that hat, the director hat manage those responsibilities, manage for folks. Um, but also I was still still doing way too much of um, the advanced to somewhat advanced um, implementation work or doing, if you will. Um, you know, the, um, y- yeah, I mean, you know, actually in the, in the weeds, work. if you will. Yeah, yeah the technical mm-hmm. work in the weeds, right. Yeah. So it just became a balance of, you know, I can't, I can't catch up. Um, I don't know if I could hire 12 more people at the rate things are going. Uh, we're going to scale and just, you know, act. the clients are not, not stopping. I mean, it's in desperate need of this type of across the board um, mm-hmm. support. So and that's, you know, where I made my decision to move to where I am today and freelance. And what I'll tell my story and was I wasn't sure that I'd do that um, and start Poppy's Tech Aid up again, you know, and. Um, freelance under that name. Um, so I was interviewing with the hat of I can do this, but also I'm open to full-time roles for the right fit. So I yeah. probably interviewed, like I'm talking at least two dozen, three dozen, maybe, I, I don't know, over the span of um, six weeks or so. And it became clear and that's what we'll talk about. <laughs> and I hope we learn a lot about it. Yeah. So just for everyone listening, I mean, I think you've had, you have had like a very broad mix of experience between like working in house, working at agencies, working at a bigger agency, working at a smaller agency. Um, and so I think for a lot of folks in mops, I think that can be a really good experience to have, especially, um, for folks who are in mops. Like I always suggest like kind of both like in-house and agency, just, um, I never got to work at an agency besides my own, but I would say like <laughs> doing that consultancy, um, work is super valuable because you get just that, you know, those reps in to do a lot. Um, and you get to work, you know, like you said, work with key stakeholders, um, but also working in house, like he's like, it just brings that business knowledge to the role, which I think for people who have never been in house. You don't have that empathy for the folks who, what they're dealing with and also look at things from a business perspective. So I do think that there's value to both. So, um, but yeah, that's, so we want to talk about the, um, hiring, uh, you know, interviewing and searching for a job and experience that you had. Um, so, um, it sounds like that started in December of 2021. And yeah. as we know, the, the, the job market, right now is pretty crazy. Um, there's a lot of demand. There's like a lot of specific demand too. I think, um, before marketing ops, I think didn't really get the attention that it 
probably deserved. I think a lot of folks even shy away from marking us just because no, like you said, no one really like learns how to do that job. You kind of just fall into mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's always a focus on demand gen. Um, but now it's blowing up. There's so much demand with sure, everything sure. moving digital. So, um, but yeah, so when you started your search, like what were some of the things that you saw from like an interviewing perspective? Like what were the differences or what were some kind of things that, you know, you saw some people doing that worked well and some things that you thought didn't work well? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Great question. And as you mentioned, Chrissy, I mean, it's, it's, it was a variety of like, you know, it it was even Fortune 500 mops roles, the small, smaller agencies, the large agencies. So it was a variety. So like across the board, um, you know, I saw, Generally speaking, you know, I saw a lot of, I'm not going to, I I wasn't able to talk to who I would consider my direct report or even, you know, the report above them um, on the first call. It was usually a more junior recruiter or a screener, if you will. Um, yeah. and, that, that, and that's fine and great. But what happens is like, then they start where the frustration happens is then they start reading, literally looking over and, you know, peering at their other screen. So it's obvious they start reading questions off some sort of, you know, who the director of MarTech or somebody gave them like, um, what would you do in this scenario? And, you know, they don't even know what they're saying in a sense, um, if you will. So they're asking questions and I'm giving thoughtful and laid out responses and what does that mean? Like, right? Like, if they're not understanding what I'm saying back to them, maybe they're taking notes or pretending to take notes. I don't know. But there's definitely been times where um, a few, these are at larger in-house roles. I noticed, um, you know, I didn't make it to round two, and I'm like, that's kind of a lot, you know, to like, <laughs> you know, and that told me like, you know, there's that's not, you know, something's not quite right there. You know, I'm, I'm confident in my response, like. They, the salary was apparently in, in range and things like that. Uh, my concern there is you don't have the right people on the call initially. Yeah. And maybe you're getting to the right person um, to actually interview that mom's candidate. But um, I'm frustrated. You know, they're going to, you know, probably the, the average human being is going to be frustrated. Um, it's another layer that doesn't need to be there. Like, let's get the, the hiring manager or, you know, the direct report in front of them right away um, and not kind of waste our time with a, a screener, if you will. And, you know, that's great. I, I know it's good and dandy and especially at bigger companies. Well, will you fit with the culture this, that, and the other thing it's so hot right now. Like you don't want to waste time and I'll get to that, how long it takes to respond and, you know, make a decision too. But um, so that was one big thing I noticed. Um, and two, you know, the second one is kind of, what we're doing to screen okay that screener comes in you make it to the second round you get to the direct report they probably want something to actually prove you know your you know certificate of whatever um your mce isn't you know just all baloney um because you know certs can be um at times um deceiving but do you know your stuff right and even if you Mm -hmm. don't know your stuff do you um did you tell the truth of what you do know and could you prove that via a test? So a lot of what I saw is like standard things coming over to me, like, all right, th- this take home test. Um, one was as simple as like, 
basically, do you know what a VLOOKUP is? Like, you know, what would you oh. do in this, you know, scenario? <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was a little, a little too light, Junior? right? Yeah. Uh, yeah right. <laughs> a little too light for the role, um, which was a, you know, a director level role. Um, oh, wow. Odd, but very which is odd. It's also um, not really telling. You're like, what am I going to be doing as a director if you're asking me if that, I can do a VLOOKUP? Like, shouldn't I have like people on my team doing this? Or even if I do do them, like, is that really the right question, right? I don't think it was a right fit for the, I don't know if it got mixed Title. up somehow for a direct, sure. <laughs> director level role, but yeah. um, maybe it was for the consultant level role. They just gave me both. That, that was the simplest one I had, but the there are really, there were ones where multi-step, if you will, where it's like, okay, step one. Um, and, it, and again, they don't want to give access to instances. So it's like, what would you do in this scenario if you had um, a world, you know, you serve to APAC, North America, whatever it is, EMEA, how would you segment? Okay. Um, and then, like, that's A, like, how would you segment? And then, okay, great. Are they giving You're you using... access to their system? No, they're not giving you access oh, to their okay. system. It's say, more yeah. like a, that's the, well, that's like the frustrating, like, uh, well, I don't know it's a frustrating part, but it it adds a layer to it where, like, it's in hypothetical yeah, like land it, or it you depends have to be, it depends <laughs> or you have to be vague vague but you know like um what they use per se right um if they yeah. use part out or husband right so then you say okay let's say it's part out um like okay you can use lists or you can use tags and segment that way you know you got to make sure you're you're you know you're not the united states isn't spelled us u.sa like all that data right. standardization stuff so like you give them those steps they're like, okay, great. Well, you know, what would you do from that point um, to build out, you know, a, a multi, a five touch nurture that, you know, would include uh, break it down by region. And then it's like, okay, well, you go in the engagement studio program and, you know, you build your logic and you can branch out, whatever. To, but then you're saying to yourself as like somebody of our knowledge, like, all right, well, this is you're, now you're kind of making money off me because like, you know, I mean, at what point is it like I'm giving you knowledge that you would have to pay for for an agency? Like, it's not right, maybe as detailed as it would be, but like, uh, it, it's just too much. And then like, OK, three days go by. Great. This is approved. Um, OK, it's approved. Next step. Um, and then, you know, step two, you give them the engagement studio back or the idea not the actual because you can't log in the idea of what you would do there and how you would branch it out and okay and then like what completion actions would you use so it's almost like that to me two two things it's too long too many steps too much back and forth feedback um but also uh, you know whether it's part owners you know marketo or or hubspot i don't see that in that sense that was too specific to part I don't think the questionnaire or the screening should be that specific to no. any of the tools in general. No, um, I like agree right, with like you. you either <laughs> you have a sense and an over o an oversight of um, what Mops is and RevOps and you know list and tags and you know content and all that good stuff, and the terminology is slightly different, of course, across the tools. But like you need to have a in my opinion, what needs to be out there and hopefully Poppy's decade and myself can build something like this is like a questionnaire, um, a quiz, if you will. And, and said quiz is not specific to any one tool. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a series of, let's say the light version is 20 or 25 questions, multiple, and they're multiple choice. And it's, 
it's kind of not rethinking the wheel. It's like kind of laying out scenarios, like what would you do in this scenario or why wouldn't you want to do this? You know, what would mm-hmm. be the consequences? Um, and then, you know, seeing how, you know, and then, you know, if they score 25 out of 25, obviously that's a good fit. You probably should hire them. If they're like, you know, in that 15 to 20 range, I would say still hire them. You can work with them. Um, if they're, you know, below 10, I would say that's probably not a good fit or something like that. And like, you know, taking all those and it, it's got to be a variety of things. It's got to be like, do you know your tokens and personalization? Do you know list, you know, questions? Do you know um, even how to organize data? You know, what would you do? Um, one of the questions I like to ask on interviews is why wouldn't you want to um, put, you know, let's say you have a blank first name um, and you want to and you want to determine or you want to note note uh, uh, you want to mark that and you mark it to be determined and you spell it out or TBD um, <laughs> yeah. to say you could go back to it. The problem is you're sending an email or somebody else on your team is sending an email with high first name. And instead of coming up, you know, whatever the default was, the default. if it was mm-hmm. blank, right. It's coming up as TBD or to be determined or placeholder. Um, and it's just a silly, like extra step that you're actually going to end up probably shooting yourself in the foot for. So uh, like that can be phrased in a multiple choice question. And to me, if like somebody can recognize that regardless if they only know MailChimp or they're a Marketo certified Mm -hmm. expert, like that's a good sign. So, yeah, I think a few things that you mentioned, um, and I can take it from the lens too at CS2 with our hiring, but like, I agree with you. Like, I think having a junior person that doesn't know mops and trying to like screen them with a bunch bunch of like mops questions, like doesn't make sense. I think if you are going to do screening, make that a very quick call, like a, you know, 15 minute call or something and really get a sense for like the culture fit with someone in HR people operations and get a sense for like, is our salary on the right, you know, point or Mm -hmm. what their goals are for their job what are they looking for with like a path and that's kind of what we do because i know that our people operations person would understand that and see like is this a good fit like and we sometimes have a few questions like you know what their experience is with certain tools and familiarity and things like that but it's really just to get a sense of one are they going to show up (laughs) because some people yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, then yeah. Um, are they interested and really get the ball rolling and, and schedule the time and talk through the process? So I think, yeah, I think having having someone junior who's just not going to understand the answers just doesn't give you a good sense of you might be missing out on good talent. Uh, but then trying to speed up that process, I think your multiple choice um, kind of quiz is, is a good one and having that directed to the skills that you're looking for. Um, as CS2, we look for a broad range of skills because we're hiring, you know, consultants, but, and we're pretty agnostic. So, um, we're not like a tool or marketing automation based agency. We're a marketing ops agency. So it's, it's the questions that we do Mm -hmm. ask are like three and they're more just trying to get a sense of like, how does this person talk about, um, you know, marketing operations and, you know, for certain things like attribution or something. And they're, they're pretty short questions. And then we have like a very, like we have an assessment that takes like about five minutes to go through to just like rate yourself on these different areas from like one to five. And it's not like, oh, this is not going to take, this isn't going to take you to the next level. It's more, okay, when we have our next interview, 
we're just going to pinpoint things that you rate you high on. Let's talk through those. Like, tell me about your comfort level with yeah, them, why yeah. it's important, projects that you've done, and then things that you scored lower on. It's like, okay, are those areas that you want to improve or why haven't you had the experience of those? Is that because you haven't had the experience? So it's more just to try and make the, you know, hour that you have with them very direct and very specific so you can really understand because you can't like you have number of interviews and the length of the interviews like we can't expect candidates to go through like four interviews or like two hour interviews or three hour interviews in one day like one mop people are super busy they don't have blocks of time in their calendar for that right. and then also in this market your competitor your other the other yeah you know, somebody else is going to get them the job right exactly like you can't, so you know, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good, good point um, with the quiz because, like, it's something they can do a multiple choice, you know, fe- relatively 10, quickly, questions. right? Yeah, yeah, right. Twenty minutes, you know. That's what I'm thinking. And I love, and I love like, your. Oh, I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun. It's a challenge to, or you know, and um, but I love the the rating system. You know, CS2 has in place because that will catch a lot of. You know, two things, folks that, you know, should be more proud of their skills and how much they do know. And then folks that say they know a bunch that know very little. Um, right. <laughs> and that's yeah. where you screen that out uh, very early. And yeah, the, fi- the 15, 30 minute call just to see if the, you know, the person is, you know, just a fit for the company. Totally agree. And, you know, see the purpose of that, too. Um, but uh, my ex- in my example, that wasn't the case. Like if you're firing off marketing operations questions after you're asking, you know, the high level stuff. And, you know, I I don't know, to me, they can be two separate entities. One thing I had a question on is when you looked at certain roles, because I, I know this comes up a lot too, is um, just what the expectations are for a director, uh, especially once you get past like a senior manager, what is expected of a director? Because some organizations, I think a director, has people on their team, they're managing people, they are managing the roadmap, they are being strategic. Other companies are like, oh yeah, you're a director, but you're one person. In you're also going to do all the, right, <laughs> all the tasks. Yeah, um, sure. What did you feel, what do you feel like you saw across the board and d- did you feel like some of the job descriptions weren't very, like didn't really line up to like what, what, what was kind of described as the role like once you got in the interview process? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, obviously, the example of the director level role that gave me a, a pivot table Excel test. I mean, it's like kind of the what we're talking about not aligning. I, I think you know anything in static bullet points um, is tough, right? But what right. I saw um, for the most part is the the more in house um, it was, it was you know you're kind of um, just managing folks or, you know, high level, more strategic, how it ties in the revenue, you know, you create the attribution model, you create the nurture strategy, but you got somebody on your team that's actually doing the build. Um, and, you know, hopefully when you walk in, you trust those people and they're, you know, good at what they do and all that. But that was more, um, again, you know, at these, you know, uh, in-house, I will say in-house medium SMBs, if you will. And then, um, in-house enterprise, um, where it came to the, the other side of it, wearing many hats, um, doing uh, all the tasks, managing a team of three to four, maybe two to four is typically the range, um, you know, but also using 
other agencies sometimes um Hmm. using consultants looking on up things like upwork um that was when it came to the the agency roles i was interviewing for and that director martech i think it's still particularly in the agency side is still being flushed out um in terms of what that really means to be a director of martech Hmm. even when i started um you know we we weren't quite sure and you know after a year do you mean when you say director of martech do you mean that working in agency that also does like marketing like for like marketing consulting because yeah just want to not everybody would yeah sorry yeah they have to do mark marketing mark martech consulting or sales tech consulting yeah but would you so when you talk about an agency that's hiring for a director and martech are are they also for the client doing things like uh campaign development and like content because i think for for example, for like us at CS2, like we only do marketing ops, uh, like growth ops consulting, which kind of like falls into some of the sales op camp, but we don't do any, you know, uh, we do go to market strategy, but no, like, oh, we're going to help you Mm. with creative or we're going to do like marketing campaigns. Do you feel like you saw more of a director of MarTech as a support function for the companies doing those campaigns or did you were you looking across the board where that or agencies that were specific to just marketing ops that's a great question no it was more more, i would say more interviewing for full service agencies who just have a slice of you know martech um and you know it's that's fine that's what i was used to at udg or unreal digital group and spear and um, even square two so to me that was natural um, which means, you know, your agency is pretty big, right? It's not a team of six, uh, you know, if you have different departments. So yeah, that was, that was what I mostly interviewed for. And I didn't really, um, I would not be one writing content, uh, yeah. content development. So, um, but yeah, it's a great question and a great point. Um, so I just think, you know, you're expected to wear more hats, mm. um, agency side, uh, where it becomes like what's too much and then like are the is the agency in a rapid growth period if they're hiring you probably um has that role been fully flushed out like in sure in a job description it has but was there somebody there before you are you taking somebody's place or are you well, one of my questions was you know am i replacing somebody or is this a new role because that's important to know um it's a new role, right? You know, you're kind of like starting fresh and got to design it from scratch. If, you know, they had a basis for what this other person should have been doing, you have at least the understanding of what the company would expect of you. And that's um, a good question to ask in-house too. Like how much tur- like how much turnover has there been? Like I think oh, some yeah. people are, are afraid to ask some questions that I think maybe give you more insight, especially if the company isn't like is shying away from really talking about the specifics of how you'd work in the role, who you're working with. I think sometimes companies have had some turnover and so they're nervous about talking about like the current state of what's going on in an honest fashion. And the person ends up in that role and they're like, this is not what, like what I thought. So I think it's, I think for people who are hiring, like being as honest as you can, but also spinning it, like there's always like opportunity because no company is and I would say even for like when I talk about companies in house, like it's very hard to find ones that are perfect. It's hard to find, you know, any company that there is an opportunity for change and stuff like that. But I think for yourself to protect like yourself as an interviewee, it's good to maybe dive into like, you know, how how many, 
how many folks have done marketing ops in this role before me? Like, how long was the person there before? That can be a bit tricky to try and ask. So like, why are you asking that? But I think you can maybe spin and say like more just out of interest, just trying to see like how long that person is there and what were the, what, what were some of the reasons where maybe they weren't successful because some things that maybe make someone like unsuccessful isn't always going to make you unsuccessful. And maybe some Mm -hmm. people are up for a challenge and like working cross-functionally, but some people don't. And maybe that's why they end up not being successful in the role. So uh, I think looking out for yourself like first and, and digging deep in this market, especially like, Right. It's okay. Go for it. Ask those questions. Yeah. What do you got to lose in this market, especially? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's better to know upfront now. And as, as a hiring manager, like, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Ask the questions you really need to ask, like put it out there. And, um, you know, it's, there is no perfect candidate and there is no perfect job. Like the, the, the goal is to get to the best fit where you can be, you can both be happy with the results and, you know, grow from there. Um, you know, you're obviously going to have streams of pains, but like you kind of know within 90 days, right. If you made a huge mistake or not on either, mm-hmm. and maybe not 90 days, uh, maybe it's, you know, 180, uh, six months or yeah. so, but there's a feeling on both sides where it's like, Oh, you know, we may need to reevaluate this. And that stinks because it's a huge investment. It's a huge time suck, you know, for both sides and nobody likes to, you know, have that those types of conversations and i think to your point too i i will say like um even for companies that um maybe are hiring a new role so one thing at cs2 that we do is like we clearly define like what each level like does and what the expectations of those are and how they would get measured for success um, because we're also bonus our team. So it's really clear of what like what they should do. But it's also really clear of like what the role is ahead of them because you want to make sure that they know what should they be doing or what skills should they be looking at to help, you know, get promoted. Um, and doing a fraction of those roles will ensure that you can then get promoted into the role. Um, so I think even when we come up with a new position or new role or hiring person into that, we make it really clear in the interview process. This is what's expected of you. This is what you're going to be doing. And this is how you're going to be measured. And I think that works really well with not making it of like a scary thing for people coming into the role because we've already done the thinking. And I think companies need to realize you need to start doing some of this thinking as a differentiator because you're going to lose out on talent when they feel too scared that they're going to come into a role where they're like not going to succeed or it's not clearly Mm -hmm. defined. And then they're going to end up having to work like crazy hours because maybe they end up having to do three jobs. I've had to do that in the past. So I think, (laughs) and everyone's had those different experiences. So I think in this market, the more upfront you can be as a hiring manager, the better. And then to your point, it makes it so that you don't have to try and figure out what questions to ask or that you feel insecure of like, am I getting the full picture of what's actually going to be expected of me? Right. Exactly. Well said. Um, okay. Uh, okay. What so else we got? I yeah. think so. Obviously you're not working in an in-house role. You're not working at an agency. You oh, are, wow. you know, you started Poppy's TechAid. And so um, I think you had different experiences in your job search, but what were some of the things that, you know, made you come to the conclusion of like, okay, I'm going to go out and try this on my own? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, so that experience led me, you know, 
towards the end of January, I mean, you know, came to the realizations I filed, I think mid January, but, um, so I guess mid to late January, it's like, I'm exhausted, right? Like, um, you know, uh, I don't really, I don't have any feeling very strongly to any one company or any, like I need to go in-house and do part or I need to go back agency and do all, you know, and that's the thing with in-house too, right? You're really going to be managing one, one map or one marketing automation platform. So, um, anyways, I said, I, I've spent, you know, the better part of the last five, six years, well, better part of the last decade, you know, we all seen that chart that came out a few days ago with the MarTech tools, like <laughs> watching just the burst of, you know, um, you know, MarTech tools and, you know, that experience I explained in the beginning of this call in terms of like being blessed enough to touch Marketo, Parda and HubSpot and have that background and then take it from there. So it's like, all right, well, I know a few folks. Let me go talk to them. And one is Ann Angel, who owns our own small agency consulting firm, Martech, uh, Marketo Wizard, and a, a former boss of mine. Um, another is oh, okay. Steve, yeah. Steve, Steve Reinhardt and John Larson. Um, they own their own shop as well on the web dev side. Um, you know, so having just transparent conversations and, you know, Ann uh, specifically, was like, yeah, I think you'll love it. You know, I, I certainly think you can do it. And, you know, from there, the rest is history. You know, you start by, if I had to give one recommendation to somebody attempting to do this, is that you got to have the network to stand yeah. behind you. Um, I had people like Ann and Steve and John and, you know, Carrie, and it, it, the list goes on and Dana, um, in the sense that, like, you know, they believe saw my skills. And not only that, clients who believed in my skills, um, people on LinkedIn that would write me recommendations if I asked, um, you know, things of that nature who appreciate my support over the years, you know, um, things like that. The next thing I went and did is while I'm not a huge fan, signed up for Upwork and slapped my face on there, my profile. And, you know, I two blessings came out of that one, you know, a few actual opportunities and B, I got to start working when I wasn't as busy in the beginning with a nonprofit um, and, you know, I don't, I went in a metal and it's the one, you know, client I still, you know, have on Upwork, but, um, to be able to help out with a nonprofit at half, half my rate and all that was just, you know, still a great blessing. And you can talk about that maybe a little bit later, but anyways, um, so, you know, the Upwork is flowing in, we all know Upwork takes a big percentage. That's not ideal. So my network is there. I actually don't know if everyone knows that if you haven't been on Upwork before. So do you, what do some of those um, tell the people? Yeah. So so Upwork, um, just like if you're a freelancer, um, Upwork is a place to go to mm-hmm. where people companies post jobs. You know, part out support, marketer support, mm-hmm. uh, web desk support, whatever it is. And let's say you sign for a hundred dollars an hour. You and the client agree. Uh, at first, Upwork's going to take 20%. Um, mm. So, you know, you're only going to see 80 um, and, you know, the client's actually going to pay 100 So that's up until $1,000 is made, which, you know, in retrospect, isn't a ton. But then yeah. after that, it's still, uh, I think, 15%. No, I'm sorry. It's 10% um, of that. So your $100 is then 90 Okay, we're getting better, but that's up to 10000 so, and then once you hit 10,000, it becomes 5%. So that's, I guess, livable. Um, but 20%, especially this, this, you know, you get crushed in the beginning. 
Um, so it's just something to think of. And like, especially if you're starting off and you need revenue. Um, so me in early the mid February, it was like, uh, oh man, I'm killing myself. So from there, it, going back to the network, all of these folks I interviewed with, right, in-house agency side, um, some of them reached back out to me. Um, I reached back out to some of them and their current clients. Um, so whether that's freelancing, uh, white labeling on the agency side, mostly in situations where it can be overflow, but it's it's situations where I've come across the, the client isn't happy or things are going awry um, or it's overflow. Um, and then I have now going up to four um, actual, including a nonprofit, four actual direct B2B clients where, um, and three, three of those I interviewed with um, in the past for a full-time role. And it was like, hey, you know, you don't really need that full-time person based on what I'm seeing. You know, I can come in and do it for X amount of hour. It's a lot cheaper than a full service agency. You know, we can help each other out. You know my skills. The reason you didn't go with me was probably I wanted too much money um, is what I'm hearing. But anyways, so that that worked out. So having that network, you know, and all those interviews paid off, whether, I, you know, I was offered the uh, chance to move on in the role or not. Um, so that was that. And, you know, you got to believe in your skills. You got to believe in yourself. Right. You don't want to be out there on your own if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't have that network. Um, yeah. if, if you haven't thought it out, um, you I think know, having the you're... network is key, like key point. Yeah. I think, um, otherwise you, you just need to be really good at selling or sell you, selling yourself or just looking for people. And I think that even though there is a lot of demand, you might just be out there just kind of like piecemealing together a bunch of like kind of technical like projects or something like there's a lot of work but i think when you can find some of those deeper relationships within your contacts to get you connected with companies that already off the gate have someone vouching for your talent i think that starts off a really longer lasting relationship oh those referrals are just huge and you know every everybody seemed to got like you know if if I can't do it, I'll refer, you know, web dev work isn't my specialty. So I'll refer to, you yeah. know, John and Steve. So passing it in a, a network of friends and, you know, of course, you know, we can give each other 10% of the, you know, the 12 month total or things like that, which is also always cool. But um, yeah, the network is, is number one. I, you, you touched on this and I didn't, you know, you got to sell yourself too is um, and be personable and not, you know, be, one that's shy because you do have to go out there and do that piece as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to be used to organ- organizing and time managing yourself because that one time card just turned into, you know, however many, um, and, yeah. you know, it depends. All, all clients are different, use different tools, right? Some use harvest, some use deal, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, you know, you, and then you got your internal stuff, right? Like, um, you know, I didn't know how much of a, PIA taxes were until I yeah. opened my own, you know, LLC. And, um, I didn't know how much like, uh, okay, like I got to open my own bank account and, you know, mm-hmm. get, keep this all separate and, you know, do all this, you know, uh, Excel work to keep my, make sure I'm making enough and, you know, where are my expenses going and QuickBooks and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So more timing too. Um, people forget, like you don't just get paid right away or every two weeks, like your normal job, you know, most no. companies have like a net 60 
Um, sometimes they're notorious for paying late. So you do want a, a good amount of cushion going into it. If you do um, like want to maintain a consistent kind of cash flow, the uptime in the first like few months um, can be uh, maybe not what you expect because you are waiting for those POs to be paid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, luckily, you know, I haven't experienced that yet in my first 90 days, you know, knock on wood. And I, but I have, a I've heard of it. A personal contractor, yeah, can tend to get paid a bit faster than uh, yeah. if you have like a traditional SOW with a, but I know when we first started CS2, some, some were okay. And then you realize, oh, the more I work with different companies, different sizes, oh, yeah, um, you need to account for that. But I think to your point, like, yeah, you need to be ready to kind of be all sides of the house for yourself. Like there's a lot of great things that can come with like owning your destiny and starting your things. But for some folks like, yeah, maybe they don't want to sell. Maybe they don't want to do their own marketing. Maybe they don't want to be their own operations person and deal with like right. taxes and stuff like hats. that. So yeah. I think for across the board, and I know we're coming up on time, but <laughs> I think when you, throughout this process, I think it's, a few things that I hear here is like one being like a champion for yourself, really trying to understand or go into your process, knowing exactly kind of what you're looking for and then trying to really find the right place that's going to suit that. And then if you feel like you don't find a place or, you know, and then you realize you might have these aha moments of like, actually, I think what might be best for me is to do this. And then having the experience of a great network, especially if you go from working in agency or in-house, in-house makes yeah. you a lot of great, great contacts, um, potentially learning from there. And that's the one thing I love about Mops, like the network is just so amazing. Like so many people want to help. And so if you do know of any other um, people that have gone solo, or I'm sure Garrett, you would probably chat to anyone who's interested. Um, they can do that. And then I always share hiring advice with people. What questions should I ask? How should I interview? All the things we're going through now. There's a lot of folks who are in the same boat trying to hire or are looking for a job and can give that advice. So yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your um your story, all your tips. And I look forward to seeing what's next with Poppy's Tech Gate. We'll, have well to have thank you, you on so to much. talk about some yeah. of the cool projects you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, having me on and, you know, having this conversation with me. You know, I hope this helps, you know, the listeners. And yeah, um, looking forward to following uh, all uh, CS2's podcasts along the way. Awesome. Yeah, well, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends. And we'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking. Have a good one. Thanks, Garrett.